Hands up those who remember when they were smaller. My dad. Ever been in a conversation like this? My dad's better than your dad. My dad can run faster than your dad. My dad, my dad plays rugby. Well, my dad, my dad, my, my dad can, can, can beat your dad. So this morning I want to talk to you about my dad. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in earth, just like it is in heaven. To my dad, be glory forever and ever. Amen. With God, nothing is impossible. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to read the first verse that comes up on the screen. You ready? Jeremiah 32, 17. Here we go. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I, th I think we better read it again because there wasn't quite enough enthusiasm. Let's go again. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, turn to the person next to you and say, nothing is too hard for my God. Wow. My dad made the heavens and the earth by his power and his outstretched arm. Oh, you imagine. Wouldn't it be great to be there on those days? It says that the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and was just waiting for God to speak. And that same Holy Spirit is brooding over this far north area and waiting for you and I to stand up and speak the word of God and tell the people and tell the devils that nothing is too hard for God. Hallelujah. And we need to speak those things because that's the purpose of God in our lives. Hallelujah. And it says there, I was reading in Psalm 33 and verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Look at that. By the word of the Lord. God said, Let there be. Hallelujah. And there was. You know, that's how things happen. And it says, uh, he, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. So when he spoke, the breath of the mouth of God began to create the starry host, the stars. Well, we are in one galaxy. We have one star, don't we? The sun. And all the planets revolve around that. And they are held there by the power of his word. And, and, and you can come back in, in a, a thousand years' time, if you could, and you'll find that they're still spinning at the same orbit. You can set your clock by it. God has caused it. And, the star, and we're just one galaxy. Beyond this star, there are thousands of stars. 
thousands of galaxies stretching many miles away. God put those in place by the power of his word and he's put them in place by the, the, the breath of his mouth. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 1, it just says he created the moon, just sort of added it in, and the starry host and all the stars. And just sort of added it in, created all this and all the stars. Well, we have satellites at the moment that are going at 24,000 kilometers per hour and they have taken 30 to 40 years and they're not even a, a quarter of the way across our little galaxy. But there are thousands of galaxies. And our planet spins. We are moving at the moment at 7,249 kilometers per hour, all of us. Here we go. Hang on to your seat because if it stops, you won't stop. God has created this world. He is a great, nothing is too hard for him. Hallelujah. And if he can do that by the breath of his mouth and by the power of his word, don't you think that he can work his works of grace for you in your life? In Isaiah 50 and verse 2, it says, Was my arm too short to, to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? And God is asking the question about your situation, about my situation, and he says, do you think my arm's a bit short? Do you think I can't reach into your situation and change it? When the people of Israel were locked away in Egypt under slavery for 400 years, the Bible says that God heard their cry and he came down to set them free. And uh, in Exodus chapter 6, it says, and verse 6, it says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke. This word is true, is true today for you and I, as it was back there in, in those centuries before. I will free you from being slaves. Hallelujah. That's good, isn't it? God wants us to be able to be free from things that enslave us. And I will redeem you, what? With a short arm. No, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We've been seeing about the God as the God of the possible. God is the God of miracles. Hallelujah. And he says, my arm is when I stretch out my arm, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 29, talking about the same thing. Moses is there and he's recounting before he passes on and before they move into the promised land, he recounts all the good things that God has done. And he says in Deuteronomy 9.29, but they are your people, your inheritance, that you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. What an amazing people to set a million people free in a day. God stretched out his arm and defeated the gods that held them. He said, I warred against the gods of Egypt and delivered my people. And that's what he's doing today in our time. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 23, the Lord asks Moses a question. And he says this, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I will say will come true. The people had come out of Egypt and they had, they had got into the desert and they'd been there a while and they said, Moses, we're sick of this jolly manna. We get it in the morning 
and we bake it and we one day we boil it the next, we toast it the next, and we do this and we just have this. This is what we have. And it would be great to have some meat. And in fact, we wouldn't even mind going back to Egypt because we had garlic and onions back then. And Moses said to God, what am I going to do with this lot? God says, leave them to me. He says, I'll give them meat, all right? He says, I'll give them so much meat. He says, I'll give them meat for a whole day. More than that, he says, I'll give them meat for a week. He says, I'll tell you what, you read it in Numbers chapter 11 when you get home. We haven't got time this morning. He says, I'll give them meat, so much meat, that it'll be coming out their nostrils. That's what he said. And Moses says, come on, God. I mean, we're out in the desert. He says, he says to God, he says, if, if, if we killed all the animals in the desert, we couldn't feed these 600,000 men, let alone all the women and children. Where are you going to get meat from out here? And then he says, then he says to God, even if all the fish in the sea were available. I don't know why he's thinking about fish in the sea in the middle of the desert. But he's like, God, you, 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 you imagine going, going down to countdown this afternoon and saying, I'd like to put an order in. You say, what do you need? I need meat for 600,000 men tomorrow. There'd be a lot of scurrying going on there, and I can tell you. But they, and he, so he's got, and then God says to Moses, he says, do you, do you think, he says, he says, do you think, is the Lord's arm too short? Do you think I'm going around heaven like this? <laughs> and sometimes we think like that. We look at our situation and we think, God, I don't think you can do this. And we and we grizzle and moan and say, "Where are you going to do? Where are you going to get get enough to do? Help me!" And God says, "Do you do you think I'm walking around heaven like this?" Bible simply says that the next day the wind changed direction, and quail came in on the wing, thousands of. In Psalm 78, it says they were like the, they, they, the quail came in, like the, it was like the dust of the earth. They were just so many. And the people had so much meat, they didn't know what to do with it. God's arm is not short that he cannot save. With God, all things are possible. Let's say that together. With God, all things are possible. King Joram, who was the son of Ahab and Jezebel, gets up and he said, I'm sick of what's happening to us. He said, these jolly Moabites. Now, the Moabites, they used to be in New Zealand years ago, and a lot of people suffered from them. But, um, but back in this time, they, they think about it, they, they, they were there, and, and, and King Joram, he, had to, he was taxed. Uh, the, Mo, the king of Moab had to pay taxes of 100,000 sheep a year because the uh, king Joram, Joram, he liked mutton and he liked lamb chops. And, and so, so God, he, he taxed the Moabites whom they defeated, 100,000 sheep. And the king of Moab said, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm sick of, I'm sick of paying taxes. I'm not going to do it anymore. And king Joram said, right, let's fix these guys. 
So he gets the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, and they go out to battle. And they say, we are going to deal with these people from Moab. They will pay their taxes, you see. So the three kings get their armies together, and they go out into the desert, and they go out for seven days out in the desert. And after seven days, guess what? They've run out of water. They, got no, they said, we've got no water. And you would have think you should have thought of that before you left. But no, they're out there. They've got no water. And so the king, uh, King Joram says, isn't there somebody, a man of God somewhere that can tell us what to do? And King Joseph says, yes, he said, there's a man called Elijah. He's traveling with us. Go and get him. So they bring Elisha in and he says to King Joram, who was Ahab and Jezebel's son, he says to him, listen, I would not take any notice of you unless just the king of Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat is with you. So bring the harpist and we let Here comes the scriptures right now. So we'll read a little bit here for a minute. He says, bring the harpist. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. Bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says. Make the valley full of ditches, not dishes. You imagine the prophet, make this valley full of dishes. No, it's not that, it's ditches. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city, every major town. You cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, rain every good field, with, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time of the offering sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. The word of the Lord was, get ready. God is going to do something. He's going to bring water for these armies. So he says, get ready. You say, how are we going to dig ditches? That was what they needed to do in that day. Get, dig, dig ditches. Would you imagine some of the soldiers saying, where does he think he's going to get water from out here? No, it just says, dig ditches because there's water coming. And if you've got ditches, the water, you'll keep the water. You'll be able to feed the animals. You'll be able to water the animals and so on and so forth. Get ready for the, get ready. Dig the, and some of them said, I'm not digging ditches out in the desert. Come on, give me a break. God couldn't do that. His arm's short. <laughs> See? And, and, and so some of them didn't do it. And others got busy and dug ditches. And, 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 and so there it is. And, and God said, and he said, she said, look, um, it's not, it's, there's not going to be wind or rain. You say, wait a minute. Water, when water's coming, it comes by wind and rain. How many of those in Cairo know this? <laughs> we went to life group the other Wednesday night. We had to stay the night with these guys. It was shocking. They wouldn't let us go to bed till 2 o'clock. <laughs> no, because says, God's not going to be like it usually is. Usually there's wind and rain brings the water. I'm going to do something different. Ah. See, that's what God's... The harvest is coming. 
but it may not come in the way I think or the way you think. There may not be wind or rain as it usually is. The church could be different. Ooh. So they dug the ditches. And then it says, then it says, um, then it says, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. Question mark. Not question mark, exclamation mark. Now when you get an exclamation mark in the Bible, you need to stop and have a look. And so I thought, one day, why is that exclamation mark there? So I did a bit of research. Do you know what I found? I found that Edom was down the valley from where these armies were. And so the water, they heard, they, evening sacrifice, 6 o'clock, they hear the water coming. And so they are looking. Where's, where's the water coming from? They are looking up the valley because water comes down the valley. And they're looking up there and they say, my feet wet. How come my feet are wet? I can't see any water. And they look behind them, and the water's coming up the valley. I said to God, why, why did you do it like that? He said, because I like doing things different. <laughs> Just for fun. Do you, my dad does things different from your dad. My dad can bring water up the valley if he chooses to. God can create a miracle for you and I, even if it's impossible in the natural way. And he may do it different from what we've ever thought before, but his arm is outstretched, hallelujah, toward his church and toward his people and toward this nation at this time, toward this far north area. And if there's not even wind or rain, God will do things differently. Get ready for your miracle. Hallelujah. Isaiah 59 and verse 1, 2, and 3. Surely, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to help you. Yeah? Surely. Nor is ear too dull to hear. But you're, you say, well, what's the problem then? Maybe it's this. This was the problem in, in this day. But your iniquities have separated you from, from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And, and Sophia talked about that this morning. God deals with, with our sin. Hallelujah. And he releases it from us and gives us his righteousness. But you've got to walk through that door of salvation to receive that. You have, to, you have to come to, to Jesus and receive him as your Savior and Lord. You have to open your heart to him and receive him. And, and then your sins are dealt with. Hallelujah. And, 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 you, and you be, he gives you his righteousness. Wow. You say, I don't think God could do that for me. I think his arm's a bit short. No, he's not. Your situation is not too difficult for God. Verse 3, for your hands are stained with blood. Your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. Now the minute I say that, 
The Holy Spirit is aware that there's two or three people that are feeling nervous right now because of that scripture. When I was speaking about three Sundays ago, at the end of the message, I was just standing there, and Jacqueline came to me and said, I can see that there is someone whose hands are stained with blood, and they're wringing their hands, and they can't get it off. And I said, just leave that for now, Jacqueline. This week I'm reading the Bible, and twice as I'm preparing this message, this verse comes up about stained with blood. Isaiah 1 and 15, your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. And why I waited is because when a prophetic picture comes, we need to connect it with the Word of God. See, it's the Spirit and the Word together that brings the, 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 the anointing of God upon a prophetic word. And, and, and so the picture comes, and then a couple of weeks later, the the, the scripture comes that confirms the picture. And I just want to say, I want to pray for... If, you'll, if, this, if this is that part of speaking to you, then it's your day. It's your day. This is a prophetic word of knowledge for somebody in here, probably two or three people. God wants to heal your past and set you free. Hallelujah. And his arm's not too short. His arm is outstretched towards you. See, Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 and 19. I just, I just want to say about this the housekeeping thing. When you receive pictures from the Lord and things like that, stop and ask the Lord for the confirming scripture that goes with it. And just wait on that. And, and, and it, 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 you'll get the two things together. Amen? And then that becomes, that's another step of, of just maturing and working, walking in that. Let me encourage you in that. Micah 7 and verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression? That's my dad. That's my dad. You do not stand, stay angry forever. That's my dad. But you delight to show mercy. That's my father in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and you'll hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Pastor Paul was praying that this morning. God does that. Oh, but listen to this one. Isaiah 1 and 18. That, I've got them around the wrong way. Sorry, person on the screen. Isaiah 1 and 18. Is that there? Let's read it together. Here we go. Isaiah 1 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be. Hallelujah. Hands up those who are glad about that. i got two hands up. The angel comes to Mary. says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She says, how can that be? I'm not even married to anyone. God says, the power of the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. The power of the Almighty shall overshadow. This is Luke chapter 1. And, 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 and the angel says, and your, your cousin Elizabeth is with child. She who was barren is with child. Then it says this. Here comes the next verse. With God. What? With God all things are possible. Hallelujah. 
I look around here today as I scan. I know some of the stories. Hallelujah. I see Pete and Deb there with your little girl. People said it was impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Hallelujah. I saw Wayne here before. Where's Wayne? Is he still in the house or he's doing children's work? Wayne and Christy came into the house. Impossible situation. I know a bit of their story. Impossible situation. But God saved them and healed them. Forgave their debts. I look at Marcus here. Marcus, you're a walking miracle. You're a walking testimony to the, to the, that God is the God of the impossible. I mean, you get a wife from the other side of the earth. <laughs> By his power. If you're, anyone is struggling in that department, just come and see Marcus. <laughs> Daniel's here. What a miracle in your life, my, my friend. Look at all that he's done for you. It's just, just, just a fantastic thing, isn't it? I look around here and I see God moving. Himiona the other week, when we had his thing on the screen, walked in angry about God, angry about, hated my sermon. When it came to the end, tears started to pour down his face as the presence of God met him. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I want you to, I want, I want, I want to just quickly read. We're coming down to the end. Paul and Yvonne, a couple I met some years ago, they couldn't have children. And they came forward one time I was preaching and said, would you pray for us? And uh, I said, sure will. And so they write to me a little time later. We had tried for a family for 10 years. At first we were told after lots of tests that Yvonne was fine and Paul had a problem, which meant we would not be able to have a child. You came and prayed for us, and shortly after, Paul had another test. The hospital was absolutely amazed at the result. In fact, the doctor sent him for a further test. And the result was, in the doctor's word, this is a miracle. No child. They then decided to put Yvonne through further tests, and we still had no child. This time it showed that all was not right, as she had a blocked tube, and also the potency was not good. Would we consider other means, we were asked. No, they said. We knew God had promised us a child. We kept on praying and believing God and thanking him for the child he was going to give us. Here he comes. Up there on the screen. Stephen Paul Turner was born by a miracle of God because nothing is too hard for my God. I stand before you here. Hallelujah. Look at that child. Impossible? No. My mother could not have children. You say, well, she should have kept with that. <laughs> Don't you say that. <laughs> it was impossible. My brother turned up and they said, please do not have another child. This is, I don't know how you had the first one but it's dangerous. Do not have any more. It'll cost you your life. My mum lived till 102. And I intend to do the same, which terrifies my children. 
with, with God. Nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. Don't look at your situation and say, that is impossible. Don't say, God, I think your arm's a bit short for me. Not my dad. He has a whole arm. He has an arm that can stretch out towards you. He knows you. He loves you with an unfailing love. He knows about you. He saw you get up this morning. He saw you decide to come to the house of God. He cares about you so much, so much, so much. Knowing, knowing him over the years, knowing my heavenly father has allowed me to laugh at impossibilities and shout, it shall be done. Hallelujah. And in this month, by the end of this month, after we've had this whole month with God, all things are possible. We'll be shouting as well. Hallelujah. Last thing. Paul is being in the ship, Acts chapter 27, verse 25. He's being shipwrecked. He was on his way to Rome as a prisoner. And he was with a whole lot of soldiers in the boat. And the boat, they hit a storm. They've been in the storm for two weeks. They've thrown all the tackle over. They've thrown all the grain over. They are just hoping to survive. And an angel comes to Paul and says, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save everybody on board because of you. You see? So he goes to the captain. And he said, you should have listened to me when I told you not to leave the safety of the harbor, but you didn't, and here we are. But I tell you what, and here's one of my favorite scriptures that I speak before the throne of God. It says this. Acts 27 and 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. What has God spoken to you about in days gone by? What possibilities are ahead for you? What is ahead for us as a church and for this far north area as God moves by his spirit? I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly like he said. Hallelujah. Exactly like he said. I, I, I believe God, hallelujah, he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken and shall he not make it good? We finish with Jeremiah 32, the verse we started with this morning. It says this, our Lord God, our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult for you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we just bow our heads in your presence. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we thought that you couldn't do it. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we thought your arm might be a bit short for our situation. But Lord, you, 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 you're a miracle-working God. You, you're a God who can do the impossible. Lord, you've reached me. You've restored me. Nothing is too hard, Lord, for you. And I pray, Lord, that people will have faith in their hearts today to receive you as their Savior and Lord and begin the journey of faith, of walking with our Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you. Jesus, when you lay in the tomb, you knew that nothing was impossible to your Father.
He raised you up from that tomb and gave you life. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to lay down your life.